Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can gather together to worship you. We thank you for your great love for us. Uh, we thank you that we can grow together as a community uh, to seek after you in these um, uh, early years of life, college years, young adult years. Um, we just pray, Lord, that you would help us to seek you and to love you more and enable us to do that through your word today as we encounter you through your word. Help us to love you more and to live following after your word. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 7 says, Now he told a parable to those who were invited. When he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Uh, not 100% decided yet on the series that we're going to study this semester. Um, so, but uh, just wanted to talk about this text because I think this is a, a good uh, thing to think about as we go into a new school year, um, as we think about um, uh, what we want our, our lives and our school year to be marked by. So we want to think along those lines. How do I how, how do I want to go about living my life this semester? Okay, so we'll talk about that through uh, three things. First, uh, selfish mental calculations. Okay, the selfish mental calculations. Again, just in verse seven, it says, "Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor." So Jesus was invited to dine at the home of the leader of the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were the religious leaders of that time. So this was probably a gathering of many important religious men, all gathered together in the same room. And it was one of those seat-yourself kind of arrangements. Jesus couldn't help notice how these invited guests were basically jockeying for position, trying to sit in the more prominent, more recognized places. And as people are doing this, you can imagine all the silent calculating that's going on in, in people's minds. So they're thinking all these different thoughts. Who am I greater than in this room? Who in this room is more prestigious than me? They're looking around, gauging themselves, calculating in their minds. And these men, you see, they're, they're really good at this kind, of, this kind of thing, this kind of mental calculating. Because they did it all the time. They did it everywhere they went. And their aim was to receive as much glory as possible in this dinner and everywhere else that they went. So that's what's going on there. Now we need to kind of pause a little bit and think about this because this wasn't a social dynamic that was unique, unique to them, to that culture or to those people. This is actually something that everyone does because this is behavior that's common to every sinful human being, 
because every sinner has an innate desire to exalt himself. For example, at your company party, I don't know, Christmas party, at your company party, you'd much rather be chatting it up with the CEO. But that intern keeps coming to you, wanting to talk to you, and you're trying to get away from them. Um, the students would rather go and you know, hang out with the professors. Like, you don't want to engage with the TA. You'd rather hang out with the professor. Even when I go to a pastor's conference, and again, like, th that's the, the setting, right? Like, gathering of religious leaders. <laughs> Even when I go to a pastor's conference during mealtime, if I happen to be sitting at the same table next to the, the prominent speaker, the main speaker of this event, then I feel important because that all my other regular, regular pastor friends can see me sitting here, you know, chatting it up with this really famous Christian leader, and they can feel jealous. <laughs> so think about this. When you walk into a room, what are some of the thoughts that run through your mind? Maybe not in every setting. Probably not in settings where, like, you're really comfortable with the people there. But, you know, think about your professional setting or academic setting or even in those extended family settings when your parents compare you to the cousins. How do I measure up compared to this person or that person? Oh, I'm smarter than that girl. I'm stronger than that guy. I'm prettier than her. Oh, shoot, she's prettier than me. And we do all this kind of unnecessary mental calculating so that we can feel good about ourselves. So basically, how we feel about ourselves isn't dependent on some objective, objective things that matter, like real things like character and things like that. But how we feel about ourselves really depends on who happens to be around us. And through all these mental calculating, the ultimate goal is self-exaltation, most recognition. Now, some of you might be saying, oh, but, you know, like, I don't really do that. I don't blatantly try to exalt myself like that. I would never be so presumptuous as to take the seat of honor. And it's true. Many people are not like that. But those who don't express their desire for exaltation in that way still want to be great. They still have the desire to be great. So even if we don't actually go sit there, we still want to sit there. That's why we get jealous or sad when someone is better than us, when we don't feel like we quite measure up. So whether we say, I'm prettier than you and feel good about that, or whether we think, oh, you're prettier than me, and then we feel bad about that, every human being has that innate desire to exalt oneself. And that's what's happening here in this text among these religious leaders. So Jesus tells them this story, verse 8. When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, uh, next slide, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. Okay, so now you're a guest at this wedding banquet, and it's time to sit down for the meal. 
and you look around. And in your measurement, you're the most important person there. You're the most popular person there, by far. So everyone knows that. So no one should have a problem with you taking the seat of honor. But then Jesus says, not so fast. Because after you sit there, someone, someone more important than you, more popular than you, actually arrives. You had no idea this person was coming. Or maybe you were just too presumptuous about your view of yourself. Now, when the host comes and asks you to move, the only seat that's left now at this point is in the corner table by the kitchen. Now you're thoroughly embarrassed because you got to stand up in front of everyone and move. You wanted to be recognized as the greatest, but your plan completely backfired. And now you're sitting at the kids' table, looking at all the important people from a distance, asking yourself, how did this happen? How did I get here? Isn't it interesting here that Jesus just sees the people just behave at this dinner, and through that, he can see what's going on in people's hearts. So the incident serves as a window into the heart because that's exactly what happens. What's in the heart is expressed through everything that we do. So, for example, even after church, when it's, you know, socializing time, who do you approach to talk to? Do you go and talk to the people that you think are the most important? Or do you actually go and talk to the people that you think are least important? Now, today, afterwards, everyone's going to be like, oh, so you think I'm like the least important person here, right? <laughs> I mean, it's sad, but even in a church setting, we do things like that. We, we perceive people, we measure ourselves, we perceive people, compare, and do all those kinds of things, like who's cooler, who's more popular. And our hearts are always at work trying to find ways to exalt ourselves. Knowing all this, Jesus says, even though you want to sit there, don't sit there. Don't put yourself there. Resist the temptation to exalt yourself. Now, it's important to realize here that Jesus isn't just giving like a social tip, right? He's not just giving you a tip so that you know how to conduct yourself at a party so you don't get embarrassed. He's actually teaching a kingdom principle. He's saying, this is how things work in the kingdom of God. If you live your life in such a way as to exalt your name, in the end, your plan will backfire. You know, I like watching those uh, videos called things like when cocky fighters get destroyed. You know, they talk so much, and, and it, it follows. Like it, makes, it follows like the, the pre-fight interviews and all those things. They talk so much smack, but then fight night comes. And then they get utterly destroyed, right, trying to pick up their mouthpieces and stuff. And they're humbled in the ring. And we all kind of know that that's, we all kind of know that that's the order of the universe. He who exalts himself will be humbled, right? Cinderella's stepsisters did not get the prince. Cinderella got the prince. And even Gaston sang a whole song about himself. Right? No one's slick as Gaston. No one's quick as Gaston. No one's neck is as incredibly thick as Gaston. 
And he says, as a, yes, as a specimen, yes, I'm intimidating. But again, in the end, Gaston does not get Bell. So this is the order of the universe, and that's just how it works, especially in the kingdom of God. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. So that means if your aim, if your ultimate goal is to be recognized, right, to attain the highest accolades, if your goal is to accrue wealth in your life, to climb up the ladder of life, and be recognized ultimately as a very important person, if that is your goal, what that means is that is not the kind of life that God will honor. Rather, that's the kind of life that God will bring low. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Thirdly, he who humbles himself will be exalted. Verse 10, but when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. So Jesus says, rather than sitting in the seat of honor, go and sit in the lowest place and you will be honored. Now, of course, this isn't like he's not teaching like a strategy, right, to get to the top. You're not sitting with the kids and looking around like, you know, hoping and waiting to be noticed. Rather, it's because that's really how you see yourself. I'm not that important. I don't really care at all where I'm sitting. I'm thankful just to have been invited to the party. I can't believe I get to be on the guest list. And if that's genuinely the attitude that you have in your heart, then you will be uplifted by the host. Jesus is teaching now the other side of this kingdom paradigm. Humble yourself. Live your life as a humble person, as a person who lifts others up above before you. And in the end, it's that kind of life that God will honor. You know, I was, uh, I was on a plane last month, and, and uh, I had one of those basic economy tickets where when you're purchasing the ticket, you can't choose your seat and you're assigned your seat the day before the flight. So that's what I did. I checked in the day before, and I saw my seat assignment, and um, I had the middle seat. I was assigned the middle seat. And I don't like the middle seat. No one likes the middle seat because it's tight. It's uncomfortable. But what can you do? It's basic economy. I had the middle seat. Day came, went to the airport, got to the gate early before the flight, and I sat there waiting to board, and I thought to myself, Maybe, maybe I can go to the desk and ask them to move me either to a window seat or to an aisle seat where it's much more comfortable. So I thought about doing that. Do you have any seat left? I thought about doing that, but then I decided not to because this thought came to my mind. I was like looking at all the people sitting there waiting to board, and I thought, why me? Why me? I mean, there's so many other people here, and I'm sure a lot, there are a lot of other people that have been assigned to the middle seat, so why am I so special that I should ask for a, a new seat? Um, so I was thinking, like, if there is another seat, another available seat that's open, then someone else can get it, and I can just sit in the middle seat. 
So we boarded, got on the plane, got to my row, and already seated on my row was a woman on the window seat and a man larger than me on the aisle seat. So I had the privilege of sitting in, in between them. So, I, so they were already seated, so I gestured to the guy. I said, And then he says to me, mind if I sit in the middle? Turns out, they were a couple. Mind if I sit in the middle? So I was like, sure. I mean, like, <laughs> who am I to come between two lovers, you know? <laughs> Go ahead. And I was able to fly more comfortably sitting on the aisle seat. Okay. Now, that's kind of, I guess, a sort of an example of what Jesus is saying here. Okay. Notice here in this parable that everyone gets moved. The person who took the high seat was moved to the low seat. The person who took the low seat was moved to the high seat. And he's saying that's how it will work in life. You don't get to sit your seat yourself. No matter where we try to sit in life, in the end, God moves us to the proper seat. God will also move the people. He'll move the people who live for themselves to the low seat, and he will move the people who serve others to the highest seat. Verse 11, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Because this is, the, this, is the, this is the paradigm. This is how it works in the kingdom of God. The last will be first, and the first will be last. Because the entire Christian faith is based on this principle. Remember, Jesus, who had every right to be treated like God, because he is God, actually came to earth as a man. And then he hum humbled himself even more by voluntarily choosing to, to, to die in the place of sinners on the cross. So Jesus, who was everything, made himself nothing. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. It is now to the name of Jesus that every knee will bow. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, what will I live for? What paradigm will I follow as I live my life? What will I live for this school year? This is especially an important question in the university setting where the goal is to achieve, right? You're supposed to do well in your exams, get higher grades, beat out the rest of the class in some classes to be recognized for your academic achievements so you can land later the more prestigious job in recognition of your achievements. And of course, like we're not saying any of those things are bad, like doing well in school is good. Being recognized for excellence is a good thing. So it's really what's in the heart that makes these things right or wrong. Achieving these things with a heart that desires self-exaltation, doing it for myself, for my glory, that's when it becomes wrong. And what God's after is a humble heart that just wants to honor him 
in whatever ways that he enables us. The Bible reminds us that the final reward will not be given out in this world. The seat of honor will ultimately be awarded to those who humbled themselves and lived for God. So, it's a reminder to us not to live for the recognitions in this world, but to live our lives in such a way that you will be rewarded by God later. We have a, a bowling event tonight, and we do this in the first Sunday of the school year when the students come back because it is a great way to be encouraged. For some of you who had a tough summer, you come back, you already feel tired. It's nice to have people encourage you. And what better way to do that than by bowling? Because when you go bowling, no matter what you do, no matter how you perform, no matter how you don't perform, people give you high fives, right? You bowl the strike, wow, high five. You, you get the spare, oh, good job, high five. You drop five pins, right? Oh, nice try, high five. <laughs> you throw a gutter ball. Oh, I, I, I thought you had it. You'll, you'll get the next one, and you come back, high five. No matter what you do, you get a high five. So come out tonight. You feel sad? Feel discouraged? Come bowling. It'll make you happy. You get a lot of high fives and you'll feel encouraged. But with so much high fives going on, once in a while, you can't avoid the missed high five. The missed high five, the dissed high five, happened to me once. It was about like five years ago when our, our, our praise leader, David Kim, was a freshman. We we're in the same lane. I think he did it to me. Okay. Um, so he got a strike, right? I mean, he's a terrible bowler, but he got a strike. Right? And on his way back, like two people gave him a high five. Like we're on the same lane. Two people gave him a high five. Awesome, high five, good job, high five. And I was a little bit further behind. And I was about to greet him with my high five. But then before he saw me, he turned to get ready to cheer on the next person. So I'm like, I'm standing there going like this. <laughs> the missed high five, the dissed high five. So now, like, what do you do when, I mean, I'm sure you've all experienced it. Like, you're trying to give someone, like, a high five. They don't see you. I mean, they didn't mean to diss you, but they diss you. So... You're standing there going like this, what do you do? This is a really awkward position to be in. There's no good way out of this situation. Most people, what they try to do is to pretend that they never even intended to give a high five. Right? So like you try to improvise to do something different. But then it doesn't work because whatever you do there turns out looking awkward because you never intended to do it in the first place. So, for example, like, oh, I, was just <laughs> I was just, like, stretching out my wrist. All right. I mean, like, you look awkward. Or, all right. <laughs> but I never do that. I never run my finger through my hair. Right? 
So this just, it's just a bad situation. It's just an awkward, lonely situation to be in. The transition is a little awkward here. But that's what Jesus did. <laughs> that's what Jesus did. In all seriousness, that's what Jesus did. Jesus voluntarily, voluntarily chose to stretch out his hand to be pierced for our sins. Jesus extended himself, gave himself to be in that position, to be left hanging on the cross. Jesus, for sinners who needed a savior. And so now, those who follow Christ are called to imitate the same pattern. Everyone who lives to exalt himself will be humble. And he who humbles himself, right, for the sake of others, for the sake of the kingdom of God, puts himself in that position for the sake of others, will be exalted. So no matter what you're going into now at this point, September is here, new school year, new small group, ways to put ourselves out there for the sake of others. May that be the kingdom paradigm that we take to heart as we seek to live for God. Let's bow our heads together in a word of prayer. Let's pray for a moment as we just, uh, before we close with the song, let's just kind of uh, reflect on the word of God that we heard. Because it's so true, isn't it? We do so much mental calculating in our minds, comparing ourselves. And a lot of times, the agenda, no matter where we go, is, is, is for me, to exalt me, to make myself look better and feel better and so on. But you know, Jesus says, That's, you, you got it all wrong. Whether you actually blatantly go take that seat of honor or you're just staring at it, wanting to be there, Jesus says you got it wrong. Rather, the way of the kingdom, the way to follow Christ is to do what he did. Even if you have the right to sit there, he humbled himself. You humbled yourself. You choose to be the servant of others. You choose to exalt others. And in the end, when kingdom rewards are given out, He who humbled himself will be exalted. Very different way to think, but may that be the kingdom paradigm that we choose to live by as we seek to imitate that it might apply to us. Just for a moment, pray, and then we'll close with one song. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the example of Christ, the way that he gave himself for us so that we can have life pray that you would strengthen us with your word, change our hearts, so that we can follow you, live in obedience to your word. Thank you, Lord, for your grace that makes this possible. We pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. We'll sing about the God of Calvary through this song. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word, many times as it's intended, is a mirror to what's going on in our hearts. We recognize through your word that there is such a, a strong desire to be exalted in our own hearts. And 
God, we repent and ask that you would continually, daily change our hearts and make us more like Christ as we learn how to put ourselves um, uh, in places where we can serve others and be a blessing to others. We pray that you'd help us to do that in our classrooms, in our workplaces, even in our church community. Help us to just even be there, to be um, in many ways a, a stepping stone for others to become better and to, to know you more. Uh, so we anticipate this new school year. Just pray that you would strengthen especially the students, help them to have a great academic year. Uh, but more, again, more than achievements and grades, may their hearts be aligned with your purpose, desire to love you, and desire to honor the name of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, part of unchanging covenant, faithful love of the Father God and the fellowship and the strength, and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you both now and forever. Amen.